if you believe something sincerely enough, if you are very sincere about something, does that make it true? Is sincerity the magic ingredient that makes something true? And I remember, I don't know how many of you ever watched or are familiar with the sitcom Seinfeld, but there are two friends on that show, and it's George and Jerry. And one day they were sitting in a, in a uh, restaurant, and Jerry got up to leave, and, and George yelled at him and said, Jerry, he said, remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. It's not a lie if you believe it. Okay, and of course the laugh track played and it was very funny. Everybody thought that was funny. But what a commentary about our culture. That's really, that's really uh, what's going on in our day and time. You know, it's not a lie if you believe it. And we are at the mercy of people who show us things and tell us things and present us things, especially if they have an air of uh, intelligence and and um, leadership. If they seem sincere enough, then maybe what they're saying is actually true. And we can end up very confused because we can end up believing a lie, which is what is happening to the world and, and, and to the church in this day and time, in the last hours, in the last days. Uh, because we have forgotten to remember the things that we have known to be true from the very beginning. If we hear anything that contradicts what we have known to be true from the very beginning, then if it is not that truth, then it is a what? It is a lie. That's, that's what we need to stick to right there. That's, you know, the story and we're sticking to it kind of thinking. You know, if it's been true from the very beginning, it's still true and that's what we need to hang on to. But that's the question. If we sincerely believe something, is that what makes it true? I want to I break that up just a little bit before we read our scripture. First of all, I want to ask you another question. Are we free to believe what we want to believe? Are we free to believe what we want to believe? What do you think? You can shake your head yes or no. If you got if it's a gray area and you're not sure, just do this right here. Uh, we are free to believe what we want to believe because we've been given free will. We have the choice to believe the truth. We have a choice to reject the truth. And that's been the way it's been from the very beginning. If we go back to the book of Joshua and we look at Joshua talking to the Hebrew people, he encouraged them to publicly make a choice. He said, uh, Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he encouraged the people to follow God, the God that they've known and the God who's been faithful from the very beginning. And that was what he was encouraging them to do. So uh, he, made a, he made a public choice. He said, choose you who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So we do have the opportunity to choose. And we see that. Uh, illustrated as well not just in the old testament that was old testament but also in the new testament when uh the jews uh were rejecting uh the message and the messengers the jew the jewish people knew of god's faithfulness from the very beginning so they should have recognized jesus when jesus came on the scene 
but they rejected the message and what scripture tells us is that they were not worthy of eternal life we can read that in the book of acts but then the the spotlight was turned on to the gentiles who the gentiles believed they believed that jesus was the son of god which made them worthy or they were appointed to eternal life so we see there it, it makes a difference to believe the truth and, the, and this is the main reason why the main reason why it makes it's important for us to choose and choose the truth is because of the consequences that will follow after that because there are consequences if we make the wrong choice y'all believe that if we choose christ there's a consequence to that if we reject quite reject christ help me pray that i will pronounce my r's today if we reject christ there is a consequence and those consequences are heaven and hell and that's the ultimate consequence but in life if i have chosen christ then through my life i will have christ with me i will have christ in me and and that's a good existence right there even though there are problems all around and things are coming crashing down i've got jesus christ and and that is a good thing if i reject christ and i have to deal with all of this stuff on my own i'm in bad bad shape would you agree so there are consequences to us choosing the wrong thing and there are consequences to us choosing the right thing let me say this we have the freedom to choose what we believe but there are consequences to what we choose and we need to realize that what has been true from the beginning is still true today and so that's kind of a little bit of a background of where we're going to be at as we read our scripture this morning because all through scripture we're going to see god encouraging people to make the right choice and do the right thing now since god has been around from before the beginning i i believe he knows the, the right from the wrong and the good from the bad so when he tells us to avoid something he is telling us for our own good he started in the garden he said the day that you eat thereof uh the day that you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat uh, you shall uh surely die i'm sorry i messed that up but but if you choose to eat from that tree you will surely die there will be a consequence to your doing what i'm telling you not to do and so it goes with us today if he has told us not to do something if he has encouraged us through his word that this is right and this is wrong that we need to gravitate towards the right and we need to turn from what is wrong and that's a struggle that you and i will have every single day that we're alive and every single moment really we live moment by moment making a decision to follow christ or, or to do what what we want to do or do what the world is encouraging us to do but we see in that story from the very beginning that he has been warning us that there are consequences there are consequences to the choices that we make and that's true in both the physical world and the spiritual world in the physical world i read a, i read a story about a lawyer who was on the 24th floor of a of a skyscraper and that 24th floor was surrounded by windows that were unbreakable you may have heard this and to prove he was so sincere 
about the fact that that those windows were unbreakable, that he was willing to go and slam his body up against that window to prove that that window was unbreakable. And he did not survive that because he broke the window and he and he crashed to the ground. But he was very sincere, very sincere that it wouldn't break. So his sincerity did not make it true. Do you see that? And it's the same thing in the spiritual world. We're going to be we're going to hear messages from all sides about people who are very sincere that this is right and this is the good choice and this is the way we should do things. And it's going to seem right and it's going to feel right and they're they speak with authority it seems and they speak with compassion it seems. But when you take what they're saying and you put it up against what the word of God says, you see that the word of God says something different. But we live in a different time. And things change over the course uh, of a lifetime or several lifetimes or thousands of years. And things are different. But we're going to see that the things that have been true from the beginning are still true. And those are the things that we need to listen to. And those are the things that we need to hang on to. You will not turn a lie into a truth just because you're sincere about it. Also, your insincerity will not make the truth become a lie. It works in the reverse as well. We've got people in this world that are against Jesus. They're against God. They're against religion. They're against the Bible. So they're very insincere about the things that we believe and hold true. But their insincerity does not make what we believe a lie. Because what we believe is the truth. Do you believe that? Is the Bible the truth? Are there mistakes and errors and things that need to be brought up to date in there? Okay, the majority, I see you and I hear you, but there are people in the church that don't believe that. And there are people in the church who are standing up and saying that they represent God and Jesus and the, and the church, and they're saying the exact opposite of what you just said. There are some things that aren't quite right and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's look at our scripture today. First uh, John chapter 2, beginning with verse number 18. <clears throat> verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time or it is the last hour. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time or the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction or ye have an anointing from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Did you hear that? <laughs> ye know all things. Does it mean you know everything? No. But we'll talk about that. Ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? Okay. There you go. If anyone denounces Christ, if anyone says he is not who he said he was, 
If anyone says he's anything other than what the Bible, the word of God says, then they are a liar and they know not the truth. He is antichrist that denieth the father and the son. Whosoever denieth the son, the same hath not the father. He that acknowledgeth the son hath the father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. There it is. Let that therefore abide in you that which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. And boy, are we being seduced in this day and time. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Okay, so let's talk about that, and let's just get a couple of truths from that this morning that's going to help us to not be deceived that's going to help us to not believe a lie because nobody likes to believe a lie. We hopefully all want to know the truth and we all want to believe the truth and we all want to live the truth. Hopefully that resonates from the very essence of who you are way deep down inside where only you and God can get. You desire to live the truth, to know the truth, and to share the truth. And the first thing that he's telling us, even from the very first verse that we read today, is that we need to recognize, we need to recognize the signs of the times. And boy, we hear a lot about that in this, in this day and time too, the signs of the times. Boy, we're seeing signs of the end times. We're seeing signs of the last day. Everything that needs to take place before Jesus comes back has taken place, and the signs are there. It's, it's obvious. It's going to happen. And, and we see that. And he is emphasizing how serious it is by using a couple of different phrases in the scripture that we read. Now, the first one, the first thing that we see that he says is that we're in the last time. Or we can also say the last hour. The last hour. <clears throat> it brings to mind the idea, time's almost up. It brings to mind the idea that we need to make sure that things are in order because the end imminent. So the last hour, he says. But, but in what sense is it the last hour? Because John wrote this thousands of years ago. And he was writing then that this is the last hour. And there have been many, 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 many hours that have taken place since then. Um, you know, time goes by very quickly. Just ask Bill, who taught Sunday school this morning. It's like you're up here in, in no time and it's time to stop, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. But, but he's not speaking chronologically. He's speaking theologically, okay? Think about it this way. When Jesus appeared on the scene, when Jesus came to this earth, when he came down here and he lived his sinless life, and when he died on the cross and when he rose again, that's, that's when the last hours began. And they will culminate and they will come to a finish when he comes back. 
So everything that has taken place from that time till now, these are all the last hours. And he is coming again. And we think differently than God does in terms of time. Uh, you know, we want things now. We want, you know, if he says that he's coming, we'll come now. <laughs> right? That's what we want. When, you know, we, 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 we're, we get a little anxious when we read scripture like wait on the Lord because we don't even like to wait on our special order cheeseburger at the drive through window. It needs to be ready when we drive up there. So he, his way of thinking about time is, is different than us. He measures it differently. But one thing he does tell us about when he comes back is that it is going to surprise everyone when he does. Um, how can he surprise us when we're expecting it and when we see the end times here? Well, I can only refer you to Scripture that tells us that, that be ready for the Son of Man because he is coming at an hour that you don't expect. And there are certain signs that we can look for, and one of the signs that we look for is the next phrase I want to talk about. We've talked about the last hours, but then he brings up this idea, and then he brings up this phrase about the presence of the Antichrist. The presence of the Antichrist. Now, you take that word, Antichrist, and it can have a couple of different meanings. It can mean that you're in opposition to or against Christ. That's what it can mean. Or it can also mean instead of, instead of Christ. <clears throat> so, an Antichrist is a person who stands in opposition to Christ or who stands in place of Christ anyone who opposes Jesus Christ and what he teaches and what he has said now scripture is very clear that that in the future there is going to be one particular person uh, who will embody all the opposition that has ever gone up against Christ and his followers and that person will be a man of lawlessness that's what scripture calls him um, it also says that he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Opposing Christ, standing in place of Christ, Antichrist. And he, again, he will, and he will have within him every hostility that has ever been expressed against Christ in the history of mankind. And speaking about the history of mankind, haven't we all, all throughout the ages tried to figure out who the Antichrist is going to be? And some people have even said that he was, he, he's already been, that there are certain people that they would consider to be an Antichrist. Just some examples through history, Henry Kissinger, uh, Anwar Sadat, Reverend Sun Moon, John F. Kennedy, uh, Pope Pius XII, Mikhail Gorbachev, just to mention a few. So, you know, we've tried to guess who it is all through history. But what John is saying here is that the appearance of men and the appearance of women who oppose Christ and the things of Christ and the things that he says are a precursor to the coming of the Antichrist. So the opposition that there is to Jesus 
and the opposition that there is to truth is kind of like a prerequisite to the Antichrist coming. And we see opposition to Christ all through history. And yes, we see it right now, too, in the world that we live in now. He wrote, many Antichrists have come. And he's not talking about that one figure that I mentioned a few minutes ago. But what he's saying is that the spirit that will characterize the final Antichrist is already at work in the world. There is already opposition to Christ. Do you notice any opposition in our world today to the truth, to the things of God, to things that we hold dear to our hearts as Christians? Do you see opposition to those things in the world today? Does it seem like more now more than ever? Yeah. Um, does it not seem, though, that now more than ever we should be holding fast and, and, and tightly to those things? Because those are the things that are going to get us through this. And even more so, we need to be living it and sharing it so that people who are lost and haven't grabbed hold of the truth yet, that they will, because just as it's got not... Just as God doesn't want any to perish and die and go to hell, we don't want that either. But yes, there is opposition in the world today. And the situation even that John was writing about, there was opposition going on. There was disunity in the community there. And you may remember what was going on as you studied the scripture. There was a situation where some people in the church had left the fellowship of the church. And they had taken some of the members with them. We see, we see situations like this in our world today. You have a church. There's a disagreement. Uh, one group decides that they're no longer going to be there, so they decide to leave, and they try to grab hold and pull as many people with them as they can. And even after they've left, they try to reach back in and try to pull away some of the people that are still there to come and leave as well. Does everybody know the situation? Does, does everybody know that that happens? And we've seen that, and we've heard of that. That's what's going on here. And so you've got people that left, and they took some people with them, and then they tried to get more people to leave. And then the people that had stayed were confused. Are they right? Are we right? What's going on? Should we leave because they left? Um, the people that left were pointing out what they thought to be the truth. They were pointing out things in the church that they disagreed with and what they thought were imperfections. In the church so people got confused now let me tell you this that there is no perfect church and there and certainly our church is not perfect um, I know I'm gonna have a fight on my hands because I know many of us feel that it is I love this church and I love I love you know I've been here let's see I've been here a long long time uh, so if I didn't love the church I would be gone you know and I, I believe that you feel the same way. Uh, but we're not perfect, and we make mistakes, and we make bad choices, and we have disagreements, and we don't like this, and we don't like that. And that's, that's, that's a family, right? That happens in the family. Think about your immediate family. You have the same kind of thing, disagreements, some like this, some like that. You know, that happens. And it happens in every church. There's no perfect church. We're going to experience hurt in this building we're going to have hurt feelings and misunderstandings but we don't we don't just get up and bail we don't do that because 
your church and I'll speak to each person uh, that 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 I can see right now and each person that's in this building. We need your presence in this church and we need your participation in this church because you are the church and God. Yeah. Amen. And God has put us here together and we're family and truthfully all across the globe anybody who has has entered into this family of god through the new birth through being saved and being born again we're all part of the same family anyway but we have a local assembly here and this is kind of what john was talking about and why he had to address these things there were some people who thought they knew better and thought they had some special knowledge so they left and grabbed people to take with them and then tried to get more to leave and there was confusion and there was disunity. So that was what was going on. That was the sign of the times. So he's explaining that to us as well, that there are going to be things that are happening. People who have a spirit of being anti-Christ in the world, they're going to proclaim that things are true that aren't true. And we need to be aware of that. So what do we do? How do we prepare ourselves? He tells us in verses 20 through 24 that we need to remember the resources that we have. Let's remember our resources. Have you ever been doing a project or had, had to do something and, and uh, you're trying to figure out how you were going to get it done and then you realized, oh, yeah, I've got this. I can use that. Um, Joe, who is putting our, our camera system in, uh, couldn't find his screwdriver Friday. And he found it, I think he found it yesterday morning. So he remembered his resource, he found his resource, and he was able to use his resource. We've got resources that we can use to keep us from believing lies, hearing lies and believing lies. And there's two weapons that you and I have in it again. Bill hit the same two this morning in Sunday school. It is the Word of God, and it is the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God. And because we have those two things, we are doubly blessed. Amen. We, we are in good shape because there are false teachers and people who share lies and spread lies. And they were back in the day when, when John was writing this letter. There were false teachers. And what they were doing is they were saying that they had a special anointing that gave them a special knowledge. This idea that I'm better than you because I have a special anointing from God because I'm special. And because I have this special anointing, I have a special knowledge that you don't have. So listen to me, and we'll get out of this mess, and we'll go somewhere where we can be better than them, and we can, we can work on our special anointing and our special knowledge together. And that's what, that's what was taking place. And so he tells us here, you, you can't... Uh, you can't say enough about how important God's word is. We can't say enough about that. Um, he said in verses in verse twenty four that you've had this, you've heard these things from the beginning. You know, I say this all the time. What we have in the word of God has remained true throughout history. Every other cult, every other ideology that has come up has changed or been adjusted or has been reworked or there's been a new revelation or there's been a special anointing that gave special knowledge and but the word of god has been true from the beginning so what we've heard from the beginning has been 
true and we stick with that and we hang on to that um there's always been an attack by the devil on the word of god he i think makes an a special attack on the gospel the news of jesus christ and tries to confuse that message and make it irrelevant and make it to where it's not something you need today you don't need that today and and certainly we do we need discernment in this day and time more than ever because there is such an attack on the truth. Um, I want us to turn, I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul wrote these words. It'll also come up on the screen. It says in verse 14 that, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. There you go. There it is again. There it is again. Uh, not knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Gosh, that sounds, I've heard that before. I've heard that a lot. I hear it every time I come to church. I've heard it when you guys taught me as a child in Sunday school and as a teenager in youth group and as an adult in the adult class and, and under the preaching that we've had here at the church. That's the message I've heard. That's the message I've heard from the beginning. It hasn't changed. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture, all, not parts of it, not the majority of it, all of it is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We like the word profit, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Good scripture right there. Now, going back to our uh, scriptures for today, we read the phrase, you know all things. Now, I stopped and emphasized that when I was reading it. You know all things. Um, that can also be interpreted, you all know. You all know. And I'm trying to put emphasis where it'll make sense. You all know what to believe. You all know the truth. The idea here is not that you know everything, because I can tell you right now, I've had conversations with just about everybody here, and y'all don't know everything. And you've talked with me, and you know that I don't know everything. It's not saying that we know everything, but it's saying oh, you all know, because you've heard from the beginning. You all know that these things are true, and these are the things that you need to hang on to. That's the point. Not that we know everything, but that we know what we we know all that we need to know concerning christ which is good because he has revealed that to us and we don't have to try to figure it out on our own so he's urging christians to remember what they've what they've heard and what they what they've known from the very beginning and then he goes on and he sets a standard he sets a standard when he says who is a liar but he who denies that jesus is the christ so if anyone ever wondered, and if anyone ever had a question, is Jesus really the Son of God? Is Jesus really the Christ? Here's your, here's your sign right here. It is a, the person who says that Jesus is not the Christ, the Son of the living God, is a liar. Is a liar. That's the standard right there. Um, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. 
Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. The spirit of opposition, the spirit of Antichrist is already at present, already present in the world. I want you to think about cults. You know, we hear a lot about cults and every cult gets Jesus Christ wrong. Every single one of them. That's why they're called cults. Because they'll either deny that he died on the cross or they'll deny the deity of Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. Or they'll say something like um, uh, the, the Christ within all of us or your Christ consciousness. There's a lot of New Age ideas and thoughts in those sayings. The idea that Christ is already in all of us, which takes away the, the necessity to trust in him and to place your faith in him. Because why would I need to do that if he's already here? And so the cults get it wrong, and that's why they're, that's why they're called cults. But Jesus is the son of God. And if you are not confessing that, and if you are not believing that, then you don't have a relationship with God the Father because the only way to God the Father is through Jesus Christ, which is another truth that we have heard from the beginning. So the cults get it wrong. So the word of God, I hope we've underscored and starred uh, and flashing neon lights the importance of the word of God. And then the other thing, the spirit of God, the importance of the spirit of God. Verse number 20, he talks about an anointing, and he says it again in verse number 27. Uh, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Now, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, it says this. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So what that means is, and hear me, hear me, hear me, that every person who has trusted Christ as Savior, personal, individual, my, Williams, Savior, every person that has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior has this same anointing. So you don't need a special anointing. You don't need something different than anyone else so that you can have a special knowledge because we all know what we need to know about Jesus already. But as Christians, we already have this anointing. Some will say, well, you've got to be, you've got to, you've got to be slain in the spirit or you've got to receive the gift of tongues or you've got to be able, you know, there's so many fallacies uh, in our religions today that add to and, and, and make the requirements more. But we go, we'll go back to what we have known from the beginning, what we've heard from the beginning, what the Word of God says. That if I have Jesus Christ as my Savior and you, then we've received the same anointing. You know what might be different? It might be that Jesus loves me better than you. That's not true. I'm glad y'all are listening. This is what's different. You have a different gift maybe than I do. You're going to be able to reach people that I may not be able to reach. You're going to have an ability that I may not have. Okay? 
but the anointing is the same. The Holy Spirit is here. He is with us. He is our comforter. He is our teacher. I think some of y'all are still shocked that I said Jesus loves me more than you. He doesn't. He loves us all the same. That's why he gives us all the, the, the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't hold anything back. When I become his, he, he dumps everything into me that he can. He gives me all of himself. I will, I will understand and things will be revealed to me as I grow and as I mature. But I never really need more of him because he's given me everything he can give me. I understand the thought process and the, and the idea I need more of this and I need more of that. I think it's more accurate to say I need more of an understanding of what I've already had. Father, reveal to me what I've got. Reveal to me that you are here. Reveal to me that you're always close. It's a great, it's a great phrase to say from worship leaders and, and, and people of faith, and I get it, and I don't criticize them for that, but we, God gives us everything we need when we're saved. And then we grow from there and realize more and more how blessed and how great we've got it. All right, let's move on. I'm not going to be able to finish everything, but I'm going to try to hit the highlights here. Um, we all have the same anointing. Now, the false teachers, again, in the, in the time that John was writing, they were claiming that they had the special anointing. They were claiming that they had the special knowledge that other people were missing. Again, in this day and time, that's what cults tell us, that, that, Jesus, that they've got something special, something different. But we don't lack anything. You and I don't lack a thing. He told them, you may not be, noble, you may not be nobility, you may not be powerful, and you may not be educated. But don't let these false teachers deceive you. Don't let these false teachers intimidate you. Uh, don't let them convince you that somehow they've got something that you lack and you need what they've got. Don't be deceived because you know what it means to be saved because you have heard from the beginning the things that you needed to hear. You have known what you need to know. You have the anointing. You have the Holy Spirit. Don't feel that you lack something in terms of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know I lack some things. I, I, I lack I lack knowledge in some areas, so I seek knowledge, and God reveals those things to me as, as he chooses. Um, but as far as being saved and what I need for salvation and knowing that the Holy Spirit is with me and he will teach me, guide me, comfort me, I know I've got all that. And that's why, that's why it's so great to be able to come to church and worship that and celebrate that with other people who have that. And it's not inclusive. We're not trying to keep people out, which is what this disease has tried to do and this virus has tried to do and the enemy that's working behind it has tried to do. We want people to come in here and, and be a part of what God is doing here. We want people to, we want to share the good news with people because it's not something that we want to contain. It's got, we've got to let it out. And he's just so good to us. So good to us. So he's given us his word and he's given us his Holy Spirit. And these things will help us because they will keep us from believing lies. And they will help us to re realize the truth from the lies. And that's the final thing. We need to be able to use all that we've heard so far to resist the lies. And to not believe 
the lies. John went on to say in the scripture that we read that you do not need anyone to teach you. Now, he's not saying there that you don't need a teacher. He's not saying you don't need Bill Lutz's in your church to teach you. He's not saying that we don't need pastors to stand before churches and teach. He's not doing that because if he were saying that, it would make everything that he is saying, it would invalidate all that because what he is doing is teaching. He's teaching them and he's teaching us. But what he's saying is you don't need to be taught by people who are teaching lies. You don't need to be taught by false teachers. Don't let them in. Don't listen to them. Don't believe them. Um, he's also, you know, you could take it a step further and say, you don't need, you don't need a priest or anyone else uh, to interpret the word of God for you because you have the word of God and you have the Holy Spirit of God. You know, there's there's a there's a there's a belief out there that you have to have scriptures interpreted because you can't read them on your own and get what you need to get from it. Where would we be if we didn't read our Bibles, but waited for somebody who understood it and had a special anointing and a special revelation to teach us? We would be at their mercy and they could tell us anything they wanted to. So thank God that we can take the word of God and we can open it up and we, not, may, we may not get every wor <clears throat> word that we're reading. But the Holy Spirit in us is going to give us something from that. And if you've ever gotten something from we reading, I'm losing my R's again. If you've ever gotten something from reading the word of God, say amen. 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 All right. So let's, let's wrap this up here. Um, it matters what we believe. You and I need sound doctrine. We need sound doctrine because it really does matter. I have written a note here I want to read. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times we hear things, and I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say this, but they'll tell you something and they'll say, and that's the gospel truth. You ever heard anybody use that phrase? Dallas Cowboys are number one, and that's the gospel truth. You know, all sorts of things. Um, we know, we know, I don't know, I feel like our, uh, I feel like what we have done is we've disrespected and we've lessened the importance of the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have relegated it to, to back here and everything else is in the forefront of our thinking um i think about uh i think about uh the way that that news is shared with uh with our world today and and i mentioned to you all last sunday that the day before on saturday that there was a great gathering in our country's capital for people to come and pray and pray in different areas of the capital of our country <sighs> to return to God and the things of God and an understanding of who God is and what God can do. And there were very few of us that raised our hands to acknowledge that we even knew that that was going on. And that's because people have decided for us what is truth, what is not, what is important, and what is not. And I also, I didn't, I didn't know it until somebody told me the week before. 
And then I didn't know till yesterday that at this event, I don't know the number, and I could find it, but I'm not going to take the time to look on my phone to find it. But thousands of people got saved last weekend. Think about it. You know, people who went to pray got an understanding, hey, I'm not even saved. And they probably brought people with them, and, and they heard the gospel. The God was lifted up. They were singing. They were praying. They were blowing the shofar. Uh, the word of God was being preached. It was an atmosphere. It was a holy atmosphere in our capital. And look at the attack that has taken place afterwards. after that. Look at what's happening to our president. And hearing people say, hearing people say, I hope he dies. Even, even maybe some believers thinking or saying that. And in doing that, we are so totally against the will of God because we just talked about how it is not his desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, so do you see, see how truth matters and consequences matter in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm? Uh, people went to that event. People got saved. People are praying. Uh, there's there's a, an attack going on spiritually that that we may or may not see or be aware of. It's there. It's happening. It's happening. But on an, on an individual and on a personal level, let me say this before I finish. <clears throat> we, we so disregard and I think disrespect the word of God sometimes because we are, we are uh, social animals. We're social people. We like to be around other people. We like to be accepted by other people. We like to hear what people have to say and we like for people to hear what we have to say. And so what has happened is the world machine has cranked out the ability for us to share our thoughts with millions of people. And then those people can like what we say. And we feel validated. It's almost like we've received a special anointing and got some kind of special knowledge. And people are backing us up. But what if we used our platforms what if we used our social media platforms to to bring forward push forward share forward the things that we have heard from the beginning what if we shared scripture well i do i i share scripture i I share scripture and there's always a little pretty picture and it looks a certain way and somebody's taken, someone's taken the uh, time to make it look really nice and, and it kind of goes along with all the colors of all the other things that I've shared. You see how the importance of what is being said in the word of God just kind of gets pushed to the side? I do it too. We all do it. But what if it was so important for us to get the truth out there to, co to counter and combat all the lies that we're hearing instead of the truth. And we just kind of just did a massive push to get the word of God out. You know, what if we did that? What if instead of political tweets and uh, and and cute little memes and things that make us laugh and giggle, which, you know, I love 
stuff like that. I can waste a lot of time watching uh, watching people fall down <laughs> on America's Funniest Videos. Or, or you know, I, you know, you can waste a lot of time doing that. But what if we, what if we saw that we have such a tool in the Word of God that we started using it for that? What if we started using our platforms to share share the good news instead of the current news or the latest news? You know, what if we became, uh, what if we became a person that people began to pay attention to and listen to because we were sharing truth instead of other things. It really speaks uh, to my heart because our world, our world is in bad shape. And when our, when our media and our news outlets see that it's more important uh, to share what people are saying about the president being sick, and which it's important, and we need to pray for him, and he's not perfect, and he makes mistakes. Um, but that's more important than, hey, thousands and thousands of people are on their way to heaven this week that were on their way to hell last week. Let's pray.